Hello and welcome to the first uh, episode of the podcast for the recently deceased. Uh, I'm Nate Roberts. Uh, and I am Rodney Godak. And we're here today to discuss uh, James One and his uh, career. Um, he had just put out a movie, Malignant, which we're... Uh, we love, um, it, uh, kind of took everybody by surprise, you know, there was no hype around this film, you literally have no A-listers in the cast. Yeah, did it go straight to streaming? Yeah, straight to streaming, uh, HBO Max, it might have also had a simul theatrical release, Sure. not sure, but I caught it on HBO. Yeah. And, um, so we, we want to talk about James Wan, he's, he's kind of an, an anomaly, he's came from nothing and made the movie saw Mm -hmm. and then i mean that kind of puts you on the map yeah immediately uh notoriety uh edited it it released on halloween which is also cool so it great time which again always a great time to release things in october uh and yeah just set the stage he and then he could do his whatever he wanted to do uh moving forward which he did Right. Um, I mean, the Saw franchise alone went to like it's up to like nine movies if you count the spinoffs. Um, he did two and three, uh, not as a director but producer and writer. Yeah. Um, so I mean, just just from Saw alone, uh, you know, he built like almost an empire, like in in Hollywood or yeah. in, at least in horror Hollywood. Right, and like and so he, it just allowed him to then have the clout to maybe have more creative freedom or uh, authority whenever he wanted to do what he wanted to do and i think that that's evident through his career as we talk about it how that evolved where he got uh the ability to do it and like what he could hang his hat on to get the money to do certain films and like but not all pan out as great movies and a lot of flops but always still building towards something which i think is evident and kind of capitulates towards what we'll talk about uh, later of his right right okay so yeah James one as a as a director um, mostly horror uh, you know a handful of not even a handful like like three mm-hmm. <laughs> non non horror films uh, one what was death sentence kind of like a looked like an action thriller yeah um, furious seven which is kind of like <laughs> what so the, weird. the studios like hey I need somebody to make this movie and he happened to be available yeah I don't I don't understand how that happens, but yeah, if someone mentions it and he's like, Sure, I'll take a paycheck and I'll right. direct this movie that no one else wants to, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to work with The Rock, maybe. Right, sure. <laughs> like, I, I know I would want to work with The Rock. Um, Aquaman yeah. in two thousand eighteen, which uh, uh, I personally haven't seen. Um, you know, it's not my cup of tea. Uh, but I actually heard good things as far as the D C universe is concerned. And a lot of those movies not being that that great, especially compared to the Marvel movies. Right. Um, I heard Aquaman was actually kind of standout. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, I mean, and I think that that's what DC is known for is trying to find the right voice to tell their stories and taking chances or pulling people out of a hat, whatever. And sometimes it works, and other times it just definitely doesn't. Yeah. Well, let's get the Saw guy to make Aquaman. For <laughs> sure. Make, it can't be worse than. Uh. Yeah. It can't be, yeah. <laughs> Can't be worse than than, than Snyder's uh, sure yeah Justice League or whatever. Um, uh, okay, so uh, and all right, so so now we talk about like 
uh, flops, right? Uh, I don't think this guy has any flops, right? Unless unless it's Furious Seven, because yeah, I'm not watching. Sure, that. but when I when I said <laughs> it earlier, I mean more so like um, uh, critically. For the most part, because horror is a polarizing genre to begin with. Sure, sure. And so a lot of the films that he's made, you would will not have a great right. critical response, but an audience people are behind it on imdb if a horror film has between a four and a six <laughs> i'm excited to watch it yeah if it's under a four it's that's when i'm starting to think like maybe this movie isn't that good mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> i'll have it on while i'm doing my laundry or whatever right, and i'll right. catch a few scenes that are fun right but this guy's a franchise machine we have saw which we mentioned uh insidious uh just put out its fourth chapter the conjuring uh the third is out uh the annabelle series has put out three uh, films. We also have some side films in the same universe. We have The Nun, um, and I'm not sure if uh, Dead Silence fits in at all, but obviously this guy's got a thing with dolls, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Uh, I'm not sure where it happens, and I can't remember, uh, I want to say it's Conjuring, uh, is uh, the second most uh, grossing franchise of horror. Oh, okay. He's not making monster movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not making slashers. I mean, Saw is, Saw is kind of a slasher, more of like... Psychological in the, the beginning of, of torture porn. Right. What would be known as torture porn. Right. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't solidified until... That, but until, then until, once until, hostile, hostile, people hostile, started yeah, to yeah, associate yeah. Eli Roth was like, I'm getting... Oh, I love this. Let yeah. Me, yeah. <laughs> take this to a 10. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. Eli Roth, he turned it up. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely solidified the genre. And so, but I kind of wonder... The fact that he completely, it's I think it's fair to say completely uh, goes away from what Saw was about to then go towards ghost stories. Maybe that was intentional because he saw what that branched out, and he's like, "Let that be its own thing." Right. This is now what I'm really interested yeah, so in. Saw, Saw is its its own animal now. Right. And uh, I just want to tell a ghost story. Yeah, I like ghost yeah. stories. Um, and and yeah, is he good at it? Of course he is. Um, we you know we talk about The Conjuring. And uh, the movie is fantastic. Uh, the Conjuring 2, um, I think a little bit uh, better overall as a film. Mm-hmm. Um, the Conjuring 1, definitely the better horror movie. Yeah, and I think it, the casting uh, and the cinematography that is just solidifies how to tell the story and how to have the people that are in that story communicate and just put you in that house and yeah. the events that are happening. And the, the basis being a real based on real events movie right that really holds a lot of weight because as a viewer you've got like a, an investment this really happened what right. i'm gonna watch like yeah. this is real like you can't refute this right. it's 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 the blair witch phenomenon <laughs> yeah um because i was 16 years old and we when we drove back our friend's mother drove the three of us in her van back home from <laughs> blair witch there was not a sound we didn't say a word like we were terrified and uh yeah that gets recreated by um the stories of the warrens yeah being actual events you've got the Amityville horror as well as the hunting Connecticut, and then of course the conjuring and uh you know i guess the annabelle series is probably more taking more liberties <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> really annabelle. starting but, to spiral out yeah, of it, yeah but the conjuring each conjuring was definitely um, based on a particular story of the Warrens in the books that mm-hmm. they wrote. Yes. Um, that they published. Yeah, and there's always just a fascination with that because it's the 
inexplicable events that occur that people are just naturally drawn to. And so I wonder if that, if that's a cognizant decision on his part to have that reality-based story to tell, to build the world, uh, but then play with it in all kinds of different ways. Like, I don't, I wonder if that's uh, what he wanted first or if it was just random ghost story and he just happened to stumble upon their, their story. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, so you look at uh, Paranormal Activity and that movie is is very grounded in in like a a concept of reality where because it's all security cams and found footage that it's like this could happen to anybody this mm-hmm. could be your home your new home could this could happen to you and you get the same kind of sense in a tr- in a based on true story film where oh, this actually happened to someone else so this could happen to me yeah it's the artistic uh depiction of that story where paranormal activity and found footage is like here's the banality of living a suburban lifestyle or whatever and you see it through this camera very familiar type spaces nothing is over the top cinema cinematography doing a set piece or anything it's all normal stuff i could watch this on my phone like because someone recorded from their nanny cam it's complete opposite of like a what would normally be a part of a big budget movie Right. And so, like, that's more about the normal normalcy of, of home life where this is taking a setting and actually creating a piece of art through the story. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, right. it's super interesting to... Right, and on the basis of the art of filmmaking um, and, you know, found footage versus, you know, studio production, um, you know, we talk about things like immersion, and immersion obviously is very important in a horror film. Um you know the two big things for me in immersion obviously are going to be your camera work and your audio mm-hmm. right so paranormal activity found footage anything like that almost almost makes you feel like you're right behind the camera like you're right there and that yeah. and that really helps with the immersion but um you know we go to the conjuring and we've i've seen some of the best camera work i think i've ever seen in horror in james wan's movie um, Conjuring, Conjuring Two, specifically Malignant, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, I mean, this guy does extremely interesting things with the camera to really suck you in uh, to the film. Yeah, and it's the storytelling that has to be strong, but then it's all of the uh, the horror tricks that are going to be uh, impl- uh, implied or uh, utilized rather to you. You anticipate a jump scare. Something's going to happen something's going to come up and sometimes it doesn't or it's a it's a curveball and it happens in a different way than you anticipated and it's even more fulfilling because it's not cheap it's not as cheap just there's some of that right but uh it's executed in such a way that there's more intent and it's more world building and you're more invested and care you're more immersed to your point yeah and well yeah with intent too right the jump scare also being part of the story and or making sense to to happen in this instance versus the um, the cat jumping across the screen as the jump scare fake out which makes no sense yeah it's, like it's just stupid you're you just know, you're just it, getting a rise out of me because yeah. you want to do that yeah, you want to make me feel uncomfortable if, if you if you have cats they don't just jump across the hallway and <laughs> screech for no reason <laughs> um, yeah. like and specifically in conjuring like they're when they investigate the the first scene where they get in the house and he's just in the closet and the the paneling comes down to 
to the basement. Yeah. Like, it, that's a well-earned, like, you don't see it coming. It's right. surprising, it's interesting, and it's, it's, it's very spooky. Yeah, sure. And it makes sense, yes. right? He's, yeah, it, he's, it he's all in works. there. You're he's building it. He's, yeah, there's, there's events going on that are causing it to happen, and it moves the story forward. Because yeah. they need to go down those steps. And not a cheap or fake way. It just it right. seems more natural. Um, which is it's interesting because we're talking a lot about Conjuring but like with Insidious I feel like he's more interested in like the potential for uh, keeping the immersion but more fantastical elements in the world building that I think he does with the idea of the further and that mind space after death I think is super interesting and I love what he does with playing with it with the demons and how they (laughs) they intentionally go to do battle in that space is, right. is really interesting uh, but it's completely different kind of a, a storytelling from The Conjuring so we can't talk about um, James Wan or uh, any of his movies really without uh, bringing up uh, Vera Farmiga, Farmiga. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly um, she uh, plays Lorraine Warren in all of the Conjuring movies, as well as uh, Annabelle. Um, she kind of becomes like a like a hero for horror um, when you see her in uh, Orphan, which, um, you know, not related to, um, to James Wan, but still, she's the, you know, she's the mom. She's the, she's definitely the main uh, protagonist mm-hmm. of, of the film and um, she just knocks it out of the park um, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into Orphan too much today but, <laughs> but uh, it's a great film if you haven't uh, seen it well and so yeah but having uh, we've talked about this before but having a cast or having certain actors that can play a role uh, it just helps strengthen everything that you're trying to achieve in successive uh, movies that you're doing within that series whether it's through conjuring or through insidious the familiarity with that person you you've built a world with them they're perfect in it they communicate everything clearly uh and it's just people start to get really familiar and comfortable with it and they want to see more of it and so like from a, a business perspective like for him to do, tell a story with the same person casting choice just strengthens everything about it and you can really get in more and the person's more aware and cognizant of the character and can evoke more about what the character is going through, and I think that she's yeah she's excellent in that role. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and of course Patrick Wilson, um, just a huge fan of his mm-hmm. outside of of the James Wan one universe, um, but you put him in all of these uh, films as uh, as Ed Warren, and then you even work with him in Insidious where he's not playing a, a Warren, um, right? Just because you know. He's great, so why not have him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But it, when you think back about all of the different spinoffs and series that he has uh, and properties that he has, it, it gets you, they start to bleed in a little bit in right, your mind right. when you're trying to recall back which movie was that from. It's it's hard because of yeah, the overutilization sometimes or playing different characters. Yeah, the Patrick Wilson Insidious <laughs> is a little unfortunate because of how much Ed Warren we get. Um, but he so he but that's the thing he did he used his um, he uses him in Insidious and then he's like okay well, Conjuring yeah and Insidious 2 happening in the same year and so like it's uh, 
for Patrick Wilson, I imagine that's a bit of a trip to to, <laughs> to flip back and forth between those two um, stories. So um, we talked about art. We talked about the um, the camera work. Uh, James one used um, John Leonetti uh, as his DP for um, all the films he directed, all the horror films he directed, Insidious 2, Insidious 1, uh, Dead Silence, um, I think it was, the, yeah, the first Conjuring. Uh, so basically up until, up to Malignant, um, this guy, John Leonetti, was his man. And, you know, we talk about cast bringing the same actors back. Well, let's talk, you know, we bring the same tech guys back, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, whether it's James Wan's, James Wan's direction, let's start that one over. Whether it's James Wan's direction, that is, um, as we mentioned before, doing these crazy things with camera that, you know, we may have seen before, or, but we've never seen on this level, or we've never seen used this creatively. Whether it's uh, James or it's the DP, John Leonetti, uh, his influence that's bringing this camera work to the film, um, you know, it is it is truly, especially in, in these, these horror movies, it is truly excellent. Um, the way that it, the way that it's done. You know, we talk about Conjuring Two, in a in a in a completely unconsequential scene, where you're just being introduced to the girls and nothing's even happened yet, and you're you the camera's almost replacing the ceiling to the to the bedrooms, and it's flying and it's flying around the apartment, and you just see the girls running around playing some sort of game. Um, it gives you the layout of the apartment and it introduces you to the to the kids, but. Um, you know, there's no other reason uh, for this scene other than yeah. to, to show you the layout of the apartment. And they do it in such a creative uh, way. Um, and you see this this same trick used again uh, over... Yeah, yeah, we see it later in, in Malignant, and it, I've seen it in other films. But And it's cool to see choices like that because clearly that's an additional expense. You're now building a set that really only has the purpose of being shot like this because it it can't be shot in any other kind of way. It's it's right. all tight. It's a it's a it's a mouse maze, rat yeah, maze. Right. Um, well, let's get this scene, and yeah. then then we get to put yeah. the ceilings on. So you're you're pouring money into this thing, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's so. Um, and it's at least with this guy's uh, career, he's been involved in a lot of things, and it's just great to see um, the way that a horror movie is shot can really ruin a good story if it's a good story and you got a great director sometimes just the way it visually reads or is looks can just make it fall flat and the the lighting and the way that uh the angles work in this it just it it's it's like working hand in hand with every other element in the movie to just enhance the storytelling it doesn't just doesn't deter doesn't distract in any way Uh, it just helps to enhance and it's like you know with with this cinematographer's history it's there's some uh, random things, but like clearly, it's just a a smart guy that knows how to work with these kinds of stories, um, and it's really cool to see the consistency because usually that's not then what's failing in any of the stories. You know, it's there's uh, a branding almost that he has. You know, just the continuity, just like he has with the actors. Uh, it probably helps strengthen when they get on set 
they know what they're going to expect. They know their beats with one another, and they can help execute the the plan more quickly, more aptly than a brand new cast would be able to. Oh yeah, I mean we're talking about people who've worked together for it's eight years ago was the first conjuring, yeah. and the third conjuring was this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously these people, um, you know, whether they're friendly with each other or not outside of work, they they know they know how they how to work together. Yes. Uh, I was surprised to find that the malignant uh, director of photography was not the same yeah. um, because a lot of the a lot of the same. Uh, tricks are employed, but we'll, we'll you know we'll get to mm-hmm. that a little later. Sure. <laughs> All right. What do we have left before we talk about malignant? I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think right. that we covered everything. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, time to talk about malignant. The reason we uh, the reason we sat down today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I mean. It might not be the best horror film of 2021, but it's on my list for best horror film of 2021. It will definitely be considered uh, by me in January when I start to start to make my list. Um, I, I I loved it. I have pretty much nothing bad to say about it. Um, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, I agree completely. It's um, there's not a lot of horror that comes out. Um, nowadays that i can watch and then know i'm gonna rewatch this maybe within a year maybe in a year or two but i'm gonna rewatch it and i'm gonna love watching it every every moment of it because it's just so fun right yeah fun is definitely the key word here um for malignant and and when hollywood horror um kind of has this formula and it's you know it's very i don't want to say teen but it's it's very like you know WB or CW or whatever sure. that network's called these days, yeah. kind of melodrama mixed with like, you know, even if the movie's not a slasher, it kind of feels like a slasher. We're talking about like Final Destination sequels and the the later Saw sequels. Mm-hmm. Whatever um, canned type formula exists with yeah. whatever tropes and like we're just gonna spit something out. Right, because of technology, I think it's all like finding you on Facebook now or like or some kind of social media platform. Or like an escape room, yep. like the te- like they made ten of those in the last five years somehow. I don't, <laughs> right. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, but *Malignant*, um, it delivers atmosphere. It delivers uh, unique uh, kills, which is something that is is desperately lacking in um, in your sta- your standard modern horror. Um, and I mean, there are moments where you laugh out loud, not necessarily at the absurdity, but if you're a fan of horror, you're like, this is hilarious. Like, yeah. just some straight-up comedy. That's a good comedy. point, too. I wonder if a person... Eh, I'm sure there are non-traditional horror fans that could appreciate this, but I feel like this is a horror fan's horror movie. Exactly, exactly. This is... Yeah, that's exactly what it yeah. is. Uh, James Wan says, I'm going to make a movie for my fans. And, you know, we're in a, a, a year or two of, of fan service. You know, you talk about the third Star Wars movie in the, in the most recent trilogy. Basically all pandering uh, fan service, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there was another movie I just watched recently. Well, uh, we're going to talk about this next episode, but a lot of critics are bl- claiming that Halloween Kills is pandering and fan service. And 
And I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah. right now that it is definitely not that these critics are just you know. They're just not in touch. Yeah. <laughs> they're no, they're sure. Right. And they're often the not real horror yeah. film uh, yeah, yeah. enjoyers. Yeah, if you're not a horror uh, film critic, just just leave horror alone. Right. You can't be a regular film critic and review horror. And, and that's <laughs> evident because uh, most award season type things, it, it, the people that say he, you deserve recognition for making awesome stuff, rarely is horror ever included. Never even nominated. And technically, <laughs> did, they, did, did people... Not to sidebar, did people consider Parasite a horror of sorts? So, I feel like they talked about it. Yeah, so stuff. you give that like a psychological thriller right. label. I think I think people who, I think very conservative people might label that right. horror. Because I feel like that was the discussion, like, oh, it's this non-traditional, it's, it's foreign and it, it, horror-like. And I think that people were like, you know, won a lot of acclaim through right. Oscars or whatever. Right, well, once again, not to sidebar a sidebar, but... <laughs> Uh, Parasite being a Korean film won it, winning Best Picture it was the first time a foreign film didn't win Best Foreign Film but actually took Best Picture sure. so it was a huge moment for the Oscars whether that was pandering or not yeah, yeah of course yeah clearly uh, which I did love Parasite oh no Parasite was amazing and and please Korea keep making excellent psychological yes. thriller and horror movies because you put out some of the best yes uh Especially uh, the guy did Old Boy. Um, oh sure, uh, yeah, Park Chan Wook. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just everything amazing. you do, yes. um, please, continue, please continue doing it yeah. and send it um, to the U.S. Yeah, no, there's there's so many good things that they do. It's it's a genre of its own, more oh, or yeah, less, in yeah. the way that they do film and the, the stories that they tell. It's yeah, that's a whole. Day yeah, and not just the Koreans. Um, you know, all foreign films. Uh, if we want to touch on the Japanese real yeah. quick, we've got Juan. And uh, Ringu, mm -hmm. which became the American Grudge and Ring, yeah. which you know, if you have the time or have never seen the Japanese versions, are better. Uh, take the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so back to *Malignant*. To malignant. <laughs> uh, a horror, uh, a horror fans horror movie. Um, it just. Oh, let's pause. And we'll get back. Start so, um, a horror fans. So yeah, *Malignant* horror film uh, for horror fans. It it just it checks all of the boxes that you would want. You know, um, you talked about the kills being cool and creative, like the pacing of it and the way that it does it. It's sort of like you know what to expect as a fan with how they pace these kinds of things, and it delivers each moment. You get a little bit more in of what's happening with the the person that's doing it. Um, and it's it's um, a reward. It's got like the same kind of pattern of these are the people that wronged or this this happened to in the past. Yeah. You in the first scene, you know, with the way that they deliver the lines, the dialogue, the over the topness oh, yeah. of the that whole the first scene. scene. Yes. Yeah. When they when they um, you know sever the uh, the Gabriel. Yeah. 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 Where where they realize they... Gabriel, we must do something about Gabriel. Right, Gabriel we can't yeah. control him. Yeah. All of that with the camp of that, and like, yes. and of course, it, it's a twenty-year-old flashback or a thirty-year-old flashback, so it even feels old. Yeah, it doesn't feel like modern horror at this time. Yeah, it, it definitely that's fair. Yeah, they definitely the shot it like like uh, Friday One or Halloween mm -hmm. One, right? And so, like people that are clued in that know horror, they see it, and you can you you know what's going to happen. You know we're on track for something great, and it delivers continually through the movie where it harkens back brings back each one for a more interesting and over-the-top kill and suspense and like just questioning things it's just 
it's right from the start you just you know you're gonna enjoy it and like it's just it's super fun because of that yeah uh that being said um some spoilers are coming so yeah, here absolutely. we go so <laughs> in fact right now um one of my favorite um uses of camera in this um and and cg which uh you'll learn as you listen to the cast that i despise uh computer graphics mm. uh especially when it can be done using practical effects um the shared conscious sequences of yeah. when the uh villain gabriel is committing these murders the uh the main the protagonist um yeah madison mitchell which the double m sound that's how you that's how you make <laughs> yep. a hero that yep. is a hero and by the end of the film she is essentially a superhero yeah um which which you'll, when you see it you'll know exactly what i mean um so she gets paralyzed um by the killer and has to watch the kills and they do this incredible camera twist um like environment bleed yeah the melting um, of it just dissolves into yeah. a different space and the it's... and the terror that she is exhibiting as she experiences yeah. these visions um through through these kills um drone <laughs> <laughs> there's a flag and the terror that she experiences uh through through having to watch these kills um is is just fantastic Th then of course you have her telling the police that she's seeing all the stuff before it happens yeah she doesn't know that it's as it happens mm -hmm. she assumes she's predicting the kills right um which is a thing which that is a has thing. been utilized in other films before this idea that i've saw something well, how did you see something well, yeah. it doesn't make any sense it was a dream i and, was paralyzed in my dream and you don't know yet yeah and you're interested you don't what, how is she actually doing it like and it you can't explain it either. Right. You're watching right. it just like she is. So, so you're you know you're thinking, okay, well, there's some connection to the killer, right? Because the killer was somehow part of her brain. We know the name of the movie is Malignant. So yeah, and that's so, always and, there. and we know that somehow <laughs> Gabriel was severed from her in some way, or there was an attempt. Like we don't because we don't really see what happens in the flashback. No. Um, you know we we have a we have like a. In my opinion, there's two paths here. There's like an obvious path, and then there's more of a, of a of a horror fan's dream path, <laughs> where like we're like I really wish that they cut the tumor known as Gabriel out of her, and then it grew into its own monster, and this is the monster flick we're watching. Unfortunately, I was wrong. <laughs> right, but the but solution... but it could, but it could have been the whole time until they reveal the twist. Yeah, and there's not yeah, so it's not. A poor choice to have done it the way they did no definitely not and at if all. anything probably even cooler that it was i mean just just different and it led itself to amazing scenes just everything amazing. about <laughs> where you go back to where they're doing the operation for gabriel that we're gonna get in like we got out everything we could we're just gonna stuff the stuff rest, the rest back, back in and like you're stuffing it and that's that's her life now she's got this gross you can you can still see part of this little person, yeah. and then they're just stuffing it in her skin and sewing up, and it's disgusting. It's yeah. so awful. And, and when and they re when they reveal the transformation, it is and once again, it's practical effects. Yeah, like they enhance it with CG for for some of the motion, but 
it's definitely animatronic. Yeah. And it looks awesome. It's so cool. <laughs> You're so happy when you finally see it. Oh, it's... the reveal is so satisfying. And it is it is the obvious reveal and but but there it didn't take away from the movie or the reveal at all that it was the obvious reveal. No, yeah, and it just it it's like it's just it's it's the gift, you know, of where sometimes you get them and sometimes you don't and like it, clearly it's a it's a film for a horror fan where you're rewarded for for it and now you can have even more fun knowing right. and seeing everything else that happens. Right. We mentioned immersion before. You watch Malignant, you suspend disbelief and just stare at the screen and listen to the sound and don't let the your dog or your girlfriend or whoever is in your peripheral distract you from this experience. You're in. You're in a hundred percent. You yeah, you absolutely. buy everything that James Wan is selling in this movie and it is it is worth uh, every penny. Um, also, the build of the... You mentioned the pacing uh, earlier, yeah. Rod. Um, the build, you know, you start... It's very st- very subtle. The first kill is creepy. Mm-hmm. It's very horror. horror. Yeah, because well, it was the electronic... The, the potential electronic like disruption that disruption. occurs with Gabriel, with Gabriel always leaves you questioning. Yeah, because of the electronic disruption, you immediately are like, oh, this is James Watt. Yeah, I mean, it's a ghost it's story. It's a ghost story. Yes, it's, it's a ghost it's, story. It's, so sort of like, maybe it's a ghost. Yeah, like, in, the, in the space that she's exhibiting, it this is a paranormal type occurrence that seemingly is happening. Yeah. You don't find out until later. It's That it's just bio, it's, it's it's bio horror. Mind. It's bi- It's bio horror. You don't know. It's You think it's ghosts. You yeah. think it might be a monster. No, it's bio horror and you don't find out until the end. Yeah. It's uh, super, super rewarding. Second kill. Yeah. Also, very sci-fi, very, uh, very slasher probably or a little serial killer-y, right? And then, and then it just ramps up from there. And then, some of these kills turn into like mini action sequences yes. until we get to the fucking police station. It's so good. That is straight up gun fu. It is a, yeah. they, this movie goes gun fu for like 10 minutes straight near the end, and you're like, what am I watching? <laughs> like wires and everything. Like, there, yeah. there's no way this wasn't. Yeah, the like, set. And, and it's funny because they you see the scene of this police precinct. Where there's all this space, and you're like, what kind yeah, of police yeah. station looks yeah, like yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the establishing shots before you get yeah, in this. Before she's, the fight scene that well, takes yeah, place Because there. she's in um, the holding cell, which has like 20 people in it. Yeah, for, I know. for no yeah, reason. Yeah, no. <laughs> you like, start to wonder, like, wait a second. <laughs> but you go out to the main detective for an establishing shot of like the precinct. And the, the ceilings are 40 feet high. Yeah. It's giant pillars and just open desks. No, no uh, cubicle <laughs> dividers, nothing. Yeah. Just a wide up its face and yeah she's gonna break out of this thing (laughs) and she's gonna kill every single one of them in in the best 10 15 minutes just just (laughs) fun you just know it's coming and you and you just you buckle up yeah you're just ready to go right and then and that's the that's also the reveal scene in the um in the holding cell where if you weren't 100 percent on on what the reveal was going to be you get to see the transformation and and the, the transformation here here it is yeah gabriel this uh this tumor which mm-hmm. was which was her twin right yeah uh they call it a uh, a teratoma teratoma yep uh was was dissected or somehow in the flashback to where it was dormant right um her abusive husband who was the first victim 
slams her up against the wall, breaks the back of her skull, mm-hmm. and awakens Gabriel, starting the events of the film. Yeah. In this scene, it it breaks open the shattered skull parts, pops itself out a little bit. The hair is like you know split, so it's like perfect down yeah. the sides of his new face. She uh, she dislocates every single joint in her body, so now she's just backwards. <laughs> and 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 now this whole time we've seen this monster, this backwards human right, monster, the, the way it moves, and... and we're like this this. This thing looks cool as hell, mm-hmm. right? The way it moves backwards. It's a it's an incredible effect used and, throughout and, the entire film. And whatever um, acrobat or whatever you want to call is probably doing these contortions yeah. to do it. Much like that dude that's always in Guillermo del Toro stuff that did the, the hand the monster hand, guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's known for... And he played the, the, the blue guy Abe in oh, Hellboy. Sure. Yep. He's great with manipulating his body in a crazy way. Much This person clearly, clearly was, was good yeah. at doing that too. And and you don't... And, and I mean, you kind of know what's about to happen uh, when she transforms in the, in the holding cell. Everyone's about to die. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it is... I mean, it's satisfying. It's fun. It's satisfying. It puts a smile on your face uh, kind of the way that, um, that John Wick... You know, clears a yeah. clears a house mm-hmm. full of guys that killed his dog. You're kind of rooting for for the villain. Yeah. Uh, you don't want Gabriel to to beat Madison, right? But you want Gabriel to beat humans. Yeah. All of these, <laughs> yeah, all of these stereotypical like weird characters that yeah. are just like fun costumes, like you would see in some oh, random yeah, video yeah. game that are in the holding cell, yeah, and then yeah, of yeah. course start shit with the Madison character right away. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, well, new blood. We're gonna kill. You know, we're gonna. Yeah. Real OG <laughs> yeah. biker yeah, chick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, disco Afro chick. Like, why are you in this? <laughs> why setting? are you? <laughs> why are you not wearing right. just normal clothes? This is a costume. Yeah, it's well, just weird, but it just makes it more entertaining to yeah. watch it. You're when it you're, flips. you're gonna start beating on Madison. She's gonna turn into Gabriel, and Gabriel's gonna kill you all. all and right. then, of course, escape, and then kill all the police in that in that ridiculous uh, police station. <laughs> the the finality of that scene, I'm pretty sure. Gabriel's on the other side of the room and picks up a chair, a chair. and launches it <laughs> yeah. across the room and it just hits them like, oh. Yeah, and yeah. they fall over. Like, it was awesome. Yeah. I, I almost fell out of my chair when I when that happened because it was so great. Yeah. It was just so stupid. But that's why it's so perfect. It's like unexpected yeah. and just dumb fun. Yeah. We don't know why Gabriel is super strong in, in Gabriel form because it is just Madison's body. Yeah. We don't care. No. We never ask. Doesn't matter. The question. Um, it, it definitely doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, because, as I just said, um, you know, we root for Madison as the as the heroine, the protagonist, because um, we don't want her to die. We want her to survive, you know, somehow, however, however she, she can make it through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also don't root against Gabriel. We just don't want Gabriel to kill Madison. We want Gabriel yeah. to kill literally everyone else in this movie. Yeah. Because there are no redeemable characters in the film besides Madison. Um, sure. Not even the sister. I, eh. uh, the sister was. I could, go, I could go fifty. Kind of works through her processing, so yeah. you kind of you kind of like her. I could go fifty fifty on the sister, yeah. um, but Gabriel's such a fun villain that you know you root for him in the way you root for um, Michael Myers in the old Halloweens, or you root for for Freddy, and sure. you, root, you root for Jason. Um, the you know the the other characters are are kind of just it's the entertainment of yeah, it that's yeah. the, that's the story is hinging upon 
that character. That's the fun thing about the movie. Yeah. And so, yeah, you want to see it do what it does best, and yeah. it's obliterating I, people. I guess the better comparison is to a Child's Play film where where you don't want Chucky to kill the boy that he's attached yeah, sure. to, yep. but you want Chucky to kill everybody else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, so, the but the culmination... Uh, of how the how it closes up the then at least two characters embodying the same body uh, and how it resolves it, I still think is it's satisfying, but it's ridiculous. Right. But that's what's great about it. Sure, sure. So it's so right. So we mentioned the uh, the shared visions, and we had you know at that point in the film we don't know what's going on. Mm. So obviously they share a brain. So um, when Gabriel is killing. He kind of has Madison in a in a virtual cell that he's used to give her the the almost like the holodeck. She's she's yeah. living her life doing things, or she's you know frozen in fear, sharing the vision, you know whatever she's doing. Um, but he's forcing her into that kind of prison while he's out there controlling her body and killing. Um, so when she realizes that that's what's happening, that's what gives her the power to put Gabriel in a box. Yeah. And take back, take back control, which, which once again, right, Madison Mitchell, you got the the double M name, Clark Kent, all the great superheroes, right? Um, yeah. She she essentially has has some kind of power now mm-hmm. um, at the end of this film, right? And in, in it's the whole uh, impetus for Gabriel is like Gabriel's trying to take revenge upon everyone that wronged them, and ultimately it's uh, their mother that he's wants to off at the end in that hospital scene right. where she finally gets the power and has the autonomy to like, oh, now I'm going to get you. And like and the, the delivery of it is just so dumb. And just like, it's like, I've learned this from you. Like, it yeah, just, it's, no, no. It, yeah. It, it is a very, uh, a very simple uh, way to wrap up. Yeah. Um, a, f- um, a series of events where, the only way to kill Gabriel is to kill Madison. So the only way to have a sequel is yeah. if Madison survives. How does Madison survive? Well, she has to beat Gabriel some other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it does put a nice, neat little bow yeah. on the end of the film, and it, yeah. which I'm fine for because I'm going to watch the hell out of Malignant too. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does it perfectly. It, it, you don't have to question it. It doesn't matter. It, it and it works. It's right. a, it's a something you could connect and make sense of. Uh, Without being like over the top, like a you know unnecessary plot device or anything, it it works, right? And that's all that it has to do, right? So, and, and as we mentioned before, uh, *Malignant* was for the most part uh, there were no A-listers; it was all completely unknown cast, um, with the exception of Annabelle Wallace uh, playing Madison. Um, we saw her in the uh, the was it *The Conjuring* two or *The Conjuring* one? It was the one with. Uh, uh, I don't recall uh, which one. Oh no, no, I thought no. She was I'm just sorry. It wasn't conjuring. It wasn't conjuring. It was Annabelle. That's right. Yeah. She was. She the, was the wife. Yeah. In the first Annabelle. That's right. Um, so another James one. Um, you know, recast. Um, you know, would it have been nice to see uh, to see Vera play Madison? Maybe, but you know, this woman did. She did a great. Madison. Yeah, this one had to be and, younger. Had yeah, to be a, yeah. Like for it to really work, you know, like a a. a character in there i don't think they explicitly say but you know in a point in life where there's not other drama that they have to worry about they're just in the middle of their life experiencing something right where you don't have to think about it in any other kind of context um 
So is this, to your point, talking about malignant two, a potential malignant two? Is this another? Is this the beginning of another series or IP for James One? Uh, I, uh, the answer is I don't know, but definitely yes, please. Yeah. Um, can can we get three malignant movies? Uh, in the in the in the realm of trilogies that Hollywood, is I just wonder, you know, with. just how they would resolve it because you know, I guess you could just have fun where it's continually vying for something or something happens to her yeah. physically that causes a brain trauma that then puts her in the back seat because sure. she isn't able to control. You could do a lot of cool things, sure. I suppose. I mean, well, she she just experienced some trauma, you know. So let's, let, you know, we can make her a drug addict, and every time she she's you know she's, sure. she's yeah. under the influence, yeah. he, he just gets Takes to take over. over. Um, we can uh, we can make her a superhero where she is choosing to control Gabriel to kind of turn herself into Gabriel, but she's in control yeah. to fight bad guys, not necessarily bad guys, but right? Like, but like, whatever, whatever, more someone, like someone wronged her. Yeah, she's at so, a job yeah. that she hates. The boss yeah. made a pass at her. Now she's going to take revenge. <laughs> I don't know if we want to make her a villain so much as more of like an anti-hero, more of like a Dexter type. Okay, yeah, where she's, she's killing, kill, she's a killing killers. A yeah, coworker yeah. did yeah. something. Yeah, so she walks by an alley as a woman's about to be raped, and she kills the yeah. kills the rapist. Like yeah. we, we we want something. We want something. Training like that. day. Got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so, but the other thing that I thought of when I saw it, uh, it just seemed like such a a good pinnacle achievement for him as a director in his career because of him refining his skill set like i like it as a capstone in a similar way to like this is not a related movie but i look at no country for old men as like westerns you don't have to make more westerns it's a perfect western don't bother sure you know and i feel that way and not in horror films in general but the way that he's done this horror film you don't have to do another one like this because this one was so perfectly executed right, right. Uh, and so a sequel could be rehashing things that we just saw and it might not have the same impact because this one is different than all the other ones yeah this is not conjuring or insidious or saw right it's so unique to redo it I it could it would probably lose a lot of its allure right which is why I yeah in a sequel I think I would want um, some kind of I don't want I don't want her and Gabriel vying for the body. Right, it's, it's give, something... give, give me give she's got control over Gabriel or you know somebody who survived the first film mm. is is like is trying to like put her in a position where Gabriel has complete control and she's just completely out of the yeah. picture because he wants to create chaos. I mean, right. Yeah, you know, obviously I'm just spitballing yeah. here, but like give me something that I didn't just see. Yeah, right? yeah, and I think oh. it'll be difficult to do. Yeah. Oh but, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, all sequels it, right? are are hard in that in that respect. Yeah. In next week's episode when we talk about the Halloweens, um we're going to revisit this yeah. concept. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not just easy. hard to make a sequel. But yeah, for me, I just I like to look at the career and seeing that as like uh, a great not his a final note, but awesome. Like you've reached something that I think you might have been striving for, or one is always do and it's it's just awesome to see. I'm sure I hope to see a lot more of his stuff. Right. Not, and not to mention, um, you know, we talk about the absurdity of the what actually is Malignant, what is the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure there were studio executives who were like, no fucking way. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, I don't care. I've got money. I've got yeah. cachet. I just made Aquaman. I'm, <laughs> I'm making the horror film I want to make, and it's about a tumor monster. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 
event, you know, and somebody was like, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You're James Wan, you can do whatever you want. Right, you <laughs> don't get to do that unless you do and build the career that he's had, for right. the most part. For the most part. There's offshoots, obviously, of yeah. people that somehow magically make something amazing. When you write that golden yeah. script. But a lot of times that happens with a low budget type thing where it has different scope, and this one has the money and it has all of the over-the-top awesome effects that you would want to see in a in a huge release that we got to watch pretty quickly as soon as it hit on the radar. It was like, go watch it. Yeah. And it was great. All right. Um, I think we're going to talk about uh, This Week in Horror. Uh, we're going to hopefully turn this into a segment. Maybe it'll... Maybe not. Maybe it'll be too much for us, but we're going to try. <laughs> I think it's great. There's a lot going on. Uh, it could just be the timing, but there's a lot happening in the world of horror and TV series. Right. So, um, first... Um, we'll just talk about, I know she did last summer, uh, the show, um, this week, episode three, uh, a gorilla head will not do, um, this obviously being our first episode, we might as well just talk about the show, yeah. uh, all the way up to episode three. Yeah. Um, so the first episode, yeah, pretty bad, right? Like the setup is, the setup for me was a little too on the nose it was too much the first film like okay you hit somebody with your car and you threw them in the water i get that all the characters are different yeah but if you're gonna make a and i know what you'd last summer show why not come up with a new inciting incident mm-hmm. uh, am i okay with it sure am i gonna keep watching it of course I, i'm a fan of horror could have could have gone somewhere else fine that you went there Maybe, yeah, maybe not. And for me, it was like the the first scene. It was just it was uh, too much off putting. I'm too far d- detached from fun high school partying, which I also thought you know we just talked about suspending disbelief and just immersion. It's difficult right now to to be in that kind of a setting where there's parents and cops for the most part yeah. in a party where there's kids dealing drugs, like, doing blow, and like hard drinking. Drugs. Like, yes, serious yeah. stuff. I mean, when I was 18, I was partying and doing drugs. But I wasn't doing those kind of drugs, and I wasn't doing it with my parents and the cops around. Yeah. And yeah, I was having sex, but I wasn't having orgies that I was posting on yeah. the internet. Yeah. There was like it's you know maybe it's a different time. Maybe I'm a little. It could out of be. Touch. Could just be old. I don't know. But you know, in my regular life, I I definitely you know I, I run a game store and uh, and I run a magic <laughs> shop and I and I've got a I've got like a trendy cafe. So I see the youth. Yeah. The youth I see, I mean, they could be doing this stuff, yeah. But I just get the feeling that they're right. not. Maybe that, this, that is, this just... is a little sensationalized. Yeah, which is Wait, fine. Yeah, yeah it's, I get it. It's the TV, you know. We're we get being it. curmudgeons a little bit about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just the thing. <laughs> it's just the way it is. We get it. It's annoying though. It's <laughs> yeah. a little bit annoying. It's a little bit because you could focus on the other parts that make it just a fun, cool show or a slasher in general. Right. Not, and, you know, not to mention, okay, so we get we all get the sex cells. Yeah. Um, but these are high schoolers. Okay, you you went out of your way to tell us that they were eighteen. Good right. job. Yeah. But you could have just not. You could have just not like sexualized teenagers. Right. Okay. And so here's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not in episode one. We're going to be getting up to episode three. But in episode two, uh, no one wants to talk about like they handle it by the end of episode two. But the. Uh, what's it, is it Johnny? I can't I think it was oh, Johnny. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, and uh, the coach. Yeah. The, the coach who were hooking up while he was a student while in high school. Student, yeah. Like it, So, like, there's the fact that, like... While, he, like, was, while he was dating the other... The, the girl. Yeah. The, uh, the Asian girl. Margo. Margo, yeah. yeah. 
who was uh, who has an Instagram. She's an Instagram yeah, sensation. Yeah. She'll never have a job because of Instagram. Obviously, unless you watch a show, you're not following these characters that we're sort talking about. Sort of has like a, a a Britney Spears father with in her mother, where yeah. she's really guiding and forcing her to do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> her, yeah. Her mom's like her PR. Yeah, lady, yeah, yeah. Like, a little bit. Weird. Comes in while she's in the bath and but so like, like makes her shoot a a reel for her Instagram. Right. So like the oversexualization, like the sex sells, like it's it's almost too much of a driving force, or it's too a part of it, right. where they're not focusing as much as like. You know what we would want as a fan of horror in the story, the, uh, the the IP that they're using. As far as I know, you did last summer. Yeah, and and like okay, I I get, um, you know horror. So so okay, well hold on. Okay, because gratuitous sex in in horror has yeah. always has always been yes. a thing. Yeah, but it's never it's never for the for the nudity. It's it's for the it's for the horror. It's for the violence. It's, yeah, it's all right. You're gonna get to see a pair of tits. And then they're gonna die. Yes. In this, it's just sex right. after sex. You know, like you get you get explicit sex scenes for no reason. It, it's Game of Thrones. It's it's <laughs> it's more of Game of Thrones, sure. Uh, yeah, because it used to be, don't have sex. Yeah. You are gonna die you in the movie. Die. Where yeah. there's like we have sex all the time. We're gonna show you sex all the time. So it takes that element out of it where it's just it's it's right. the environment that yeah. they're that they're in. That they're in, and and once again. That's fine. Yeah. I like sex, sex as much as the next guy. But <laughs> we're talking about a horror property here. We're not talking about, you know, softcore porn on Skinamax. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so Have more respect. Have more respect for the <laughs> medium. That, for yeah. the medium. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just come in here, put I know you did last summer on your softcore porn. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, you know... Um, you know, we get one death in the first episode, and it's and it's the mistake death. It's the accident death. Yes. It, we, the killer doesn't kill till episode two. Okay, he kills. They kill two people, so they kind of make up for the, it. Episode two totally made up for it. Episode two totally. Yes. So so as I said about corrected, completely disliking episode one. Episode two was was very good and and is definitely the reason I've watched all the episodes of the show so far. Yes. So so don't give up on episode one. If you like the property at all, definitely go for episode yeah, two. Yeah, two brings it there. The end, uh, the kill scene, awesome. Awesome. Brought me right back in. Yeah. Just over the top, two for one. And you were a little bit, and you kind of cared about the character because they were going through everything they were you, going through. You definitely cared about Johnny and... Yeah, the coach. The coach, the coach. Whatever. You definitely cared about Johnny and the kill was good and interesting. Yeah, it was unique. It was a bit different, you know, to find the guy like that for him yeah. to try to save, but then get stumbling right. into the it. Right. The camera work the of fall. the kill was good because they used two two levels of height. Yep. Um, yeah, it was it was very very good. And and this is an Amazon Prime show, which uh, we didn't mention yet. So yep. you know, if you have Prime, uh, yeah, check it, it out. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, they have a lot of other uh, series that they've done that are Amazon only that are it's worth. Uh, the subscription plus just Prime in general it, yeah. delivery if you don't have Prime I don't know yeah you're not going to get your stuff from the container ships if <laughs> you don't start Prime now yeah uh, <laughs> so, so then episode 3 comes uh, so we've lost we've lost one of the group of the uh, you know that accidental kill group right and it seems intentional three. because this is a person that was at that original event right right where then now in episode 3 so episode 3 of the death is is a guy who so so if you're Remember, I know what you did last summer. You know, somebody's driving by and sees the kids out there. Yeah. 
and uh, and they so they're a red herring, which you could have kept al- alive for the whole season, but yes. you didn't. You killed them right in episode three. Right. So now your red herring is dead. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, like I'm looking at black pickup trucks in every fucking scene, yeah. and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Everyone apparently in Hawaii owns a, owns black, a black pickup, pickup truck, uh, yeah, and then they just take them out. Because Dylan's mom or Dylan's mom's friend is is also driving around stalking her in a black pickup truck, right? So like the weirdo hippie uh, character, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the one who brought the necklace back to the father. The one, oh, who, yeah, the one who was yeah, actually yeah, on has, the beach she, with yes. them from episode right, one. From she's driving around she a black pickup it. too. Yeah, so, so, yeah. <laughs> so she's the other red herring. So like right away you have these two. Um, characters who are potential red herrings. I think they're both red herrings because yes. we get introduced to them so early. Right. Um, but you're wondering, but it's so unrewarding, and that's like you don't do that. We didn't get to see it happen. Yeah. This death for the, uh, the character. Oh, and it would have been a cool death to yeah. see. Uh, what was the name? Daryl. Dale. Dale. Is the Dale. Name. Yeah, he gets he gets a, a slushy machine tube shoved down his throat, and when we see him. He's completely blue. Blue it's coming so, out his eyes, blue so coming out his ears. Over the top and dumb. And it happened, I like it though, but it's <laughs> it happened off camera. But we did get to see that he recognized the killer. He said, "What are you? Oh, oh, you or what are you doing here?" Said so something yeah, like that. Yeah. He definitely recognized the person. But the other thing that's odd about the episode, uh, uh, the lead, um, Lennon, who's actually Allison, right, it goes to the shop and sees him there because she's getting texts through the phone from the killer from, yeah from Allison's from, old phone yeah from and Allison's old phone. so she goes there and then she has a, a confrontation or an interaction where maybe he beats up on her in some kind of way because then you just she just says he tried to get me whenever they're in the cave later that night after right. they you know have seen everything they just like that just happened off screen like for what end like right. why Right, and, and we don't even know if there was an altercation at all. She might have just felt like he was because right. of the text. But they talk or... about how uh, he had a, a, a weird obsession for for her, for Lennon. For Lennon, not for For, the, for the sister. That... Well, but Lennon was, we find out in episode three about the OnlyFans, or is that in episode four? I think if that's it's in gonna... episode four, we'll, yeah. we'll stop. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it's in four. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, at the end of three, she gets the photo of the thigh um the hashings the the the, 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 the yeah. scarification that she's doing on yeah. her thigh and the video that she made uh that lena made of the sex tape with dylan with dylan okay okay and so like that you're like, you, and, and, and which leads you to believe too, right. this maybe she is alive the sister is alive right right so yeah so so the third red herring introduced in the episode three is that it's actually the sister right which which is fine because that's the actual story of the first film the guy they hit survived. Right. And he put on the raincoat and he had the hook yeah. and he went after him one at a time. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it was a fine movie. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't do, a great and, movie, but it was a fine movie. Yeah. And we see uh, the father, the necklace is returned that right. Allison always wore. Yep. And so, you know, <laughs> they, it's just, it's weird. They're just like throwing things at you that seem like, oh, this could be interesting. But, and they make you think something and then they just, they shut that door. And it doesn't make sense as to why they're shutting the door because now you're just like, okay, well now I, I don't know. Okay, and then they introduce another option. It could she could be alive because now there's a video and photos coming that only she would know about. Right. Seemingly, at least as far as what we know. Right. Um, and the other thing that was like kind of happening through the whole thing, which is just character building, uh, uh, Dylan, the Dylan character, they kept doing the flashback of his perspective that night, and it didn't really add anything. Oh my God, his flashbacks were terrible. That was like, like the worst he's a cool character now yeah. because he's like seems super dark and 
pissed about everything. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah, he's the he, only. He's the only character. Who, he was the doubting Thomas of what right, they were doing. Right. He's the only character who wants them to turn themselves in. Well, not now. Yeah. Did, did, he's accepted, did and he had his hates his life because of what they did. But that night, he tried to convince them, "We can't do this. Right. We have to turn ourselves in." Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, they kept flashing back, and it just it just didn't do a whole lot. It didn't add a whole lot. It, you got to see the perspective, but it's just like, eh. yeah, it, it it sucks. Another thing, uh, this is a small note. The Rye Rye, who is the young drug dealer in the crew that was part of the action, sure. um, being hopelessly in love with the Dylan character, just seems like um, I don't know. It just seems like a throw in side plot that's kind of exhausting it doesn't it, they don't reference it very often but every time they do you just kind of roll your eyes yeah uh, unnecessary unnecessary drama, like, just for the sake of drama like like uh, you know because we have allison and dylan like why, why did we bother because allison loved dylan dylan loved allison and now allison has to pretend to be lennon in this in this new yeah. future and where, I love that where lennon's actually dead which is which was a nice twist yeah on the uh you know on a, it's cool to see stuff. her live with the pain and the torture of killing that, her twin sister yeah and, and yeah that you love this dude you will never be able to have him ever 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 he, yeah he, he fucked lennon yeah so you're video. living with that yeah, yeah 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 and you can never have him yeah and he hates you he hates you for what happened yes. he hates you for what you did you can't reveal that you're not lennon so it is torturous, and that is it, it's it, it's developing a character. You care yeah, more. There is there is some good uh, drama that I wouldn't call melodrama. Sure, and she is good. Uh, yeah. Eisman, I can't remember her. Madison Eisman, I think is her name. The, oh, the, the actress's the, the name. Actress she is great. She's excellent. And yeah. playing both characters yes. is is Very, gotta be a challenge. Well done. But she does a great job. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a cool. Uh, I'm still hanging in there. Yes. Two really made me want to continue. Three was three, whatever. Three, three was like okay. Yeah, yeah. Four, four. We'll we'll see next week. Part of part of the fun is you can try to figure it out along with them, and when they keep shutting doors like that, it's abrupt and it kind of takes you back out of it to where okay, I guess I'll get in behind something else. Yeah. And then maybe that'll go away. And yeah. it, it's just a bit of a letdown. The the mystery um, aspect of the show is is fine. It is it is. A bigger part than the horror, unfortunately. I, I'd like some more. Yeah, I know. Some more horror. Less and that's was because they did all that. They did the thing with Dale off screen. Yeah. It was neat. And it could have been cool. Like, so why would why would you not? Because because then you all have the political intrigue of the other characters. Of the father is some sort of. They did, I don't know if they said if he was the mayor or the governor or something, but he has some sort of a high ranking position because the police chief. Um, owes him some kind of paperwork in the second or third episode yeah, yeah. that he asks her about. And they're having an illicit relationship that nobody knows about. Yeah, which is cool. I which like that fine. angle. But, yeah, but once again, it's like, it's it's more it's more melodrama right. and, like, and like side plot. That is fine. And, you know, we understand to make a one hour episode, you need more than just somebody killing people yeah to, to get the, sh- a lot the of stories going. happening at the same time and it's a series you need time with the other characters yeah. and so you have to put something in there otherwise it's just it just seems like at the end of episode three this is a i don't know um how many episodes the series is going yeah, I'm not but sure. it's, eight or ten, but it's got to be an eight if it's a 10 or a 12 i don't know how it's going to get yeah. there it's it's, it's right. probably a short one all right the best for last, um, besides obviously the malignant discussion. Right. Uh, the first episode of Chucky. Yes. Child's Play gets a TV show, and Brad Dourif has returned yep. as the voice of Chucky. And I gotta say, this was excellent. And and I and I think we can spend as much time as you want talking about this episode. It's great. So um, 
I unfortunately did not watch as many of the later iterations of the series of Chucky. Like I, I to be honest, I skimmed through Bride. I didn't see Cult. Um, but I know that the Cult was pretty bad. The original guy, Dan Mancini, is yeah. in charge of this now. Yep. And so, and I believe all of the puppetry, it's puppetry. There might be some CG, probably. Could be enhanced with CG, but it's definitely animatronic and puppetry because they list several puppeteers at the end of the episode. I see that they're there, so I know to respect that, and I love that about it. So it's cool. Um, The one first thing that I I loved about it, uh, the way it opens. It opens POV as Chucky, seemingly, because you see a little bit weird of a mask or whatever, and they're doing the Halloween scene from the 1978 Halloween where he's walking into a room with girl brushing hair and he's going to do something. And I was like, perfect callback. Just start, set the tone. Like, right. Like things do. Yeah. And I love that part. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Then, and then we go, um, we go right into, um, you know, the introduction to the main character, um, uh, who's a 13 year old boy who may be gay, maybe gender fluid, maybe bi- we, we, we don't know. He, the character doesn't know. And that, and that, I think, is new and interesting, especially with how young the character is, mm-hmm. um, was something I really like about this, this main character. And the other thing, quick side note with it, he, you're right, yeah, they're middle school. They're played by kids of that age. Oh. Whereas in Last Summer, these are freshman year college students that are played by 20-somethings. 20-somethings. So there's a separation there. This, it's honest. It's, they are 13, 14, 15-year-old actors yeah. playing those characters. And yeah, it, the other thing, he's an artist. He's so an artist. <laughs> there's all kinds he's, of things that could potentially lead to cultural ostracization yeah. from his peers. Yeah, he's an, he's, a, he's an artist who is working on this giant uh, sculpture piece that's made of pieces of dolls. And I got to tell you, the sculpture was awesome. Like when they do reveal it, I thought it was great. Yeah. Like it's it's unfortunate, and and I think that helps the audience, um, obviously side and sympathize with this character. Is that in in my opinion, for a thirteen year old, he was good. Yes, for a thirteen year old, absolutely. You know what? I couldn't help but see when I saw that fucking mannequin with the dolls all over it. It looked like the vegetable gremlin. <laughs> sure, with all the sure. different shapes on his face, yeah. cauliflower yes. making this or that, I couldn't help but see yeah. it. And it kind of ruined it, like because it looked like spinach and stuff. Yeah, veggie gremlin, one, one of the best <laughs> gremlins from Gremlins too. But yeah, um. real, but but to have a th- full mannequin oh. of all these parts, it was awesome. Yeah, and I mean the creativity that that a, that a child of that age would have to you know be exhibiting and to to do something that is like his big project, for and the, and know. it's an in with Chucky. Right, right. So he buys the Chucky doll at a yard sale for like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. He finds out on, online that it's like fifteen hundred dollars, and yeah. he might sell it. Yeah. And oh, where'd my butcher knife go? I'm, yeah, we're, I'm worried that the dad, who's who's like a, a blue co- blue collar like trash, yeah, is gonna find out that the doll's worth money and sell it himself. So like, so like, even as a viewer, like I'm already tense, and Chucky hasn't even blinked yet. Yeah. Right, and and I and I'm worried for this kid. Because the, the dad's an alcoholic, he mm-hmm. obviously is uncomfortable with his son's uh, orientation, whatever that Yeah, and the be. fact that he just doesn't have the friend group that he would imagine his son should have. He yeah. knows that he's the, son the, has, the, the yeah, black the son sheep. Has, the son has no friends. Uh, he has a cousin that's the same age that we, that we hope is an ally 
and we're not sure whether he is or not um, right away. Uh, yeah. By the end of the episode, it's it's clear. Yeah, it's clear he's not. The only potential is the the guy that's making the pod, the other student that is in the pod. Right. Which which is, which is his cousin's friend, apparently. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, because you see the scene. You see on them the bus. together on the bus. So maybe his cousin's friend can become his friend, mm-hmm. or at least an ally. Um, but he he has so his father has a brother who has a wife and a son. Twin brother played by Devin Sawa. Played by Devin Sawa. Final uh, destination in Idle Hands fam. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so the brother and and uh, aunt, I guess, and cousin come over yeah. for um, a dinner. For a dinner. Yep. And, and just the kid is brutalized. Oh, just at that d- verbally decimated. Like. You want to crawl inside yourself and never come back out. Because I, I also how had, much they dress him down. Right. I also had hope at this moment for the ant being an ally. Right. But, by once again by the end of the episode, this kid is alone. Yeah. And and I and I think he has to be for the story, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because his only ally is Chucky, right? Yeah. Like like to, in order for the story to progress the way it needs to progress. He needs to be completely alone, except for the companionship of Chucky. If because yeah. if he has other people to turn to, it doesn't really work. Right. He goes, "Hey, my doll's killing people. Is that okay?" Right. And then the story ends. Mm-hmm. But if he's alone, if he's alone in this, and Chucky's helping him out, yeah. as as we'll get to here in a minute, um, the the first kill. Yeah. Um, all right. So the pinnacle scene of the first episode, the father is just laying into him. And the boy, uh, or the son, calls Strikes him. Strikes yep, yep. Yep. Oh, him. Yeah, he hits him. He, uh, he calls himself a fag yep. in his dad's face. Yeah, and he, and, and he hears and it's like the acknowledgement of it, or the just the utterance of it. All the reasons that he dislikes him, and like he, he obviously, it triggers him, and yeah. he lashes out, and he can't handle it. Yeah. I, My know. son could never, and, and, the, and the mother is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, he, he, the boy even says, uh, you know... You should have died instead of mom, and uh, yeah, storms upstairs. Right, and of course the father has destroyed the mannequin at this point and has yeah. declared there's no art in this house. Yeah. No art in this house. The... And he's like, but he's always wearing these fucking coveralls. Yeah, he's like, why are you wearing it again? Like, well, I get like you just came from work, but he yeah. never changes. Yeah, he's always well. We we don't know what he does. Yeah, but we, it seems like a it, mechanic. But the show is literally like. You know, if it's a it's film as a medium, right? So show something instead of say something. We don't ever say. Nobody ever says, oh, "I gotta go fix this car," yeah. or "I gotta go install this air conditioning unit." He's just in coveralls all the time. <laughs> we get it. He's blue collar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after this huge fight, uh, Chucky kills the power. Mm-hmm. He goes downstairs, and he's drunk. So Chucky kills him in the most ingenious way to make it look like an accident. He pukes all over the frayed wires, and that electrocutes him to death. Yeah. So it looks like an awesome. accident. He just because he, he was drunk, he puked all over himself. And, and before he gets down there, because of the power outage, he's looking at his boy. He's like, "Who drank this?" Or like he says something <laughs> yeah, like, "Like I did, I did drink all this." Or like, yeah, he's where's, where's my whiskey? He's go? like, "Yeah, who drank my whiskey?" <laughs> yeah, he because, says something stupid. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. He, he gets pissed, and then the power goes down. And he goes down, yeah. and then you, you don't realize it. I mean, you do. You just, but you think like uh, Chucky's just cutting loose, throwing back some whiskey. Yeah. You don't necessarily think what he's gonna use that whiskey for. Right. Right. I mean, I assume uh, Chucky's just gonna butcher knife him, right? Like, right. Like that's because that's how it goes. Yeah. But no, this was this was in a, a 
very ingenious kill to stay in this kid's life. And as Chucky says, we're friends till the end. Mm-hmm. Um, he says it multiple times to the boy, and and even once, a little menacingly, he says it to the boy in a way that winks. I killed him for you, right? Because we're pals. Yes. And that's like the last line of the first episode, and and for me, like as I'm a huge Child's Play fan anyway, mm-hmm. um, like chills. I am so so stoked on yeah. board for this show. Yeah, just the way that they're delivering things and the fun. And for me, like what I look forward to with every time that I see Chucky in a movie or whatever is whenever there's other characters that do not know who Chucky is, and they mishandle Chucky. Oh. They do something, and that's the best. And so, like you know, when this cat starts like fucking with them, you're like. Dude, cat, you're gonna get fucking killed. Oh yeah, they definitely <laughs> killed the cat. The cat, yeah. the cat was the first first kill actually. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but like and so like I always just look forward to like anyone like yeah. interacting and picking up because he did it in all the movies like where yeah. someone's tossing him or here, just carries him around by his hair and throws him in the yeah yeah yeah. You're like, oh my god, what are you doing? You're gonna go. You're, he is so he pissed is, to you. Yeah. All it's right. Great. So so in in our uh, in our exuberance to talk about the the dead dad, uh, we did skip over. One of the best scenes of this first episode. Oh sure, yeah, the, the talent show. <laughs> yes, and and to talk about the talent show, um, I guess a little setup, right? Like, um, Chucky, uh, he the the boy gets an idea about Chucky being bad, so he has the, he, or maybe he doesn't he doesn't want the dad to find it, so he makes he makes one of his teachers hold on to it in like yes. the closet, and then and then Chucky, of course, gets out, and so right, yeah, he takes it to school because. Uh... It's, I can't remember why he takes it to school. And I also don't realize why he had to like just carry it. Like, dude, everyone hates you, and now you're carrying this dumb fucking doll yeah, on the bus. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously people are going to hate you. But yeah, uh, the frog. Right, the frog. The frog, the frog, the, frog the, yeah, yeah, they're dissecting the frog, and he can't handle the blood. And then Chucky does what Chucky does. Just the, the, frog. the perfect autopsy right. on yeah. the frog. Right. And so, <laughs> but, so the, yeah, so that, that biology teacher, which again, in that scene, heightens... Lexi as a bad guy, like antag- like just an awful human being, right? Because she's she makes the GoFundMe for him, right? Because he needs help with the uh, because he's, yeah, he's poor yeah, or whatever, and like and then right. she just lays into him and just making fun, and so and then I like how the uh, the teacher gave it back to the students in that scene. Oh but yeah, she, she's like uh, she said like shut the fuck up or or she said something uh. inappropriate that was great. So yeah, so Chucky is planted in that teacher's office right and that's where then we're at the talent show where again lexi begins to lay into jake right um she gets him on stage and then and chucky hops up there like the pal that he is mm-hmm. and does this great ventriloquist act obviously fake ventriloquist act <laughs> yeah. where he just starts cracking jokes and and revealing secrets um and it's hilarious. Like yeah, in, roasting in, Lexi. In yeah, roasting Lexi. Talks about the, the mother. Yeah, the cousin's mother. The cousin's mother. Brie. The aunt brings up the yeah. aunt. Um, and and in child's play fashion, you know, you get some some really good Chucky comedy. Yeah. Um, which, for me, is hand in hand with the, the franchise. Yes. Right. If yeah. It, had, it wasn't you know right out the gate with the first film, but right. then as but then it started to become it, and it's like yeah, this is what like, we should. Why isn't Chucky? Let's why, go all in on why that. Why else would Chucky? like be not be funny like right. you have to make him funny yeah let's give him some excellent one-liners when he when he kills mm-hmm. people like that was how it started yes right and then you introduce the wife and now you actually have like 
a Chucky doll and a bride, uh, uh, you know, Chucky doll played by Jennifer Tilly, yep. um, having conversations with each other. They have a child. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just, it just, it, um, it, it so, so, yeah. So, so now, so now we, we have a history of comedy, so it's something that we expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that sequence was, uh, was perfect. Yeah. You know, it was, it was like perfectly written. It set everything up. The dad dies. He goes to live with the uncle mm-hmm. and aunt and cousin junior yeah who who we now know are all not on his side right um so they're, they're all, obligated they're, to do something yeah, here they they're, don't want to yep they're all potential victims they know the of, father was abusive though he yep. was a drinker yeah we they we, want to help him the only the only character that we could see some sympathy from is the actual twin brother yeah of yeah the his father. uncle this does uncle, seem because sympathetic. that's that's more that's probably the closest relation he has. Um, you know, the aunt just got blown out by the by the talent show. Yeah, which it, is it's a ventriloquist. We know it's Chucky, but to her, to her, it was it's him. a fucking uh, it, nephew yeah. talking shit. Yeah, yeah. And well, he revealed that Lexi was was cheating on Junior with somebody else as well. So Junior's pissed too. Um, yeah, great first episode. Yeah, great first episode. Just fun. Uh, so much fun. Everything you would expect. From Chucky being on screen, like yep. uh, there, I don't think I have a single complaint. We can talk briefly about um, okay. There's a lot of uh, you know people call it social justice, people call it wokeness, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, some shows too woke for their own good, and they're really preachy. Um, this show, not at all. This mm-hmm. show, this show has it. All right, it, it is definitely. Um, you know, written for the future generations yeah. um, of, of everyone being PC and everyone um, being respectful of each other's choices um, or each other's... Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, ex- it's just acceptance. It's acceptance, just, it's just exactly. there. It's not like it's yeah. a thing. It's just, yeah, this is it's, the way people are. Yeah, it's definitely in the show and in the writing. But it is, it never once felt like it was being forced no. on me or shoved down my throat. Right. Which is which is the right way to do it, um, as opposed to some other shows that that certainly certainly fail at it. Yeah, it's... which we can bring up briefly. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. It was uh, a Netflix film, a horror film. There's someone in your house. No, it just came out a few weeks ago, and uh, I don't want to digress too much from Chucky, but um, it was. It was very bad. Yeah. Um, the best way to describe it is if... Because the, only the first kill is in the house. <laughs> so it's like... It's, there was someone in your house. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. they're not. Yeah. And you're not either. <laughs> I mean, there might have been one other that took place in a house, but it yeah. didn't have the there's someone in your house setup. Right. Right. They didn't take the time with yeah. it like they did with the first one. Yeah. I'm in the house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like they set up a gimmick and then they never did it right. ever again. It was it's it's like the opening Clickbait. the opening yeah the opening scene to scream right where yeah. he calls Drew Barrymore it's literally like he never called someone for the rest of the you know they set right. it up yeah but he called but he did scream delivered like right. obviously just scream to delivered. get you there just yeah. to get you yeah. to start watching so so scream delivered this this show didn't or this movie didn't. but what's the component that relates to the uh, to the SGAW uh. right right so so back so back on track. Every single line of dialogue is soaked with oh, yeah. with wokeness, and uh, and you know the the fight for acceptance and uh, the fight against intolerance and and 
I I agree with all of those statements, uh-huh. and I'm totally for all of that. But oh my god, this this was this felt like I was watching an advertisement. Yeah. For um for you know political correctness. Right, and after TV special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it was everything. It was everything. It was the and and. To the, say after TV special, like an after school TV special. Yeah, yeah. Like the ones where like, don't play with guns. Right. That's exactly what it was. Every character, um, you know, ethnic diversity. Yeah. Totally fine with. Right. But, but oh my god, but it seems so it, intentional. It was so intentional. It wasn't. It yeah, it comment. wasn't like a byproduct of the of the yeah. script or this is just how it happens. Yeah. Which the, came first, chicken or egg? It's clearly it was that you wanted to make this statement. It wasn't that yes. you need this character and here's the character and why the character is important. Right. And it's so evident, and it's just it's. Yeah, yeah. It's it. It was it was made for sixteen year olds, right? Uh, maybe even young, younger. In, yeah, in my, I saw like, previews or clips of the newest, uh, I think, iteration of Cinderella, oh, and it, and it had like it was soaking with the same kind of thing where the the fairy godmother was talking to Cinderella, and it was it was like saying like yes, queen. Like that kind of language, oh, and it like, sure, just sure, so sure. unnecessary. So using like the modern slides, yeah, yeah, like a, like the same kind of idea, same principles. It's just like, why there, like, you don't need to try so hard. Yeah, like her best friend can say that to her, but her fairy godmother right, pro- like probably it, not going to say that. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, like, weird, yeah. unnecessarily injected. Like, like, like we don't care um, that you recast um, in different ethnicities for representation, yeah. but we care that you <clears throat> are saying or doing it and then going, look what we did. Yeah, you see, look, disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, everyone wants to see it and do it, just yeah. be natural and normal about it in a way where you're not, you're not preachy or you're not doing it for the wrong reasons. Like right. just start doing it, and it's just there. It's like you're not forcing it in a way that makes people see that you're forcing it. It's like equal opportunity employment. Sure. Like forcing it on companies is you know so they have to do it. No, just do it. Right. Just do it. Just do it. You know, just do yeah. it because you're supposed to. And I get or there's you got, want there's to. There's got to be, you know, you it might have to start where people have to to acknowledge and you have to, just like with equal opportunity, like it has to start happening, but then it just needs to just be, it's just what everyone does. Right. It's just what everyone does. Yeah. So, yeah, that's too bad. I'll, I mean, maybe I'll flip through it just so I can relate and see. Honestly. Because it would be entertaining. It's, it's 90 minutes. Yeah. If you got nothing else to right. watch. Go for it, or you know, watch the first half hour and, yeah. then, and then dive out. But it's. Did you watch the Fear Street trilogy? No, I haven't. Okay, all right. So, so we'll revisit this whole thing after you watch that, because okay. that's that's worth the watch, even though it wasn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> it's still worth the watch, yeah. um, especially if you were uh, a Dean, not Dean Koontz, the other guy, R.L. Stein guy. Yeah. If you were <laughs> Dean Koontz and R.L. Stein. Yeah, they're the same. <laughs> <laughs> they're the same guy. Come on. <laughs> I watched all the Goosebumps with my kids with oh. Jack Black. They're, oh, sure, they're awesome. I bet they are. Yeah, but I read all the Goosebumps yeah. when I was, you know, nine. Yes, me too. <laughs> and they were awesome. It was great. It's um, one of those. It's interesting because when people aren't into horror, and like I love that we're doing this podcast. Yeah, uh, this is super fun. I love horror. I always have. And I look back and I wonder where did it start? Right. What? And I see little things where it's like it's planting the seed of my appreciation and love for it. Because uh, it was always on TV with three reruns, but not everyone watched that stuff. Sure. I know people that never happened to catch Halloween sure. or a Friday the 13th. Right. They're out there, and just not me. And like, but so yeah, R.L. Stein and yeah. Goosebumps. R.L. Stein and Goosebumps. That added and then to it. what was that show? What was the show called? 
oh my god, I, I must have been 11 or 12, and the one of the ep the episode that that gets me, the one that I remember the most, because it was like so terrifying to me as like a 12 year old. It was about the this kid who had a had a brace kind of mouthpiece, yeah, and these dogs that went crazy for it for like it was setting off some kind of frequency. So okay. whenever the, the kids were hanging out around this junkyard, the dogs went cr nuts. And eventually the kid went missing, and eventually they just found that mouthpiece. Gotcha. You know, with a little bit of blood. And that was like, that was it. It was yeah. like a 30-minute after-school yeah. episode. It was yeah. an after-school show. Yeah. Erie, Indiana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Erie, yeah, Indiana. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. each, each episode was like a one-shot. It, right. like, it, like, it was like Tales from the Crypt for children. Yep. Yeah. Um, are you afraid of the dark? Yeah. There's a lot of things where yeah. they just planted it in and like, uh, uh, maybe Chucky for this new generation can serve the same purpose. Yeah, I hope so. Um, it's, it's on 10 o'clock Tuesdays on USA, so maybe not. But <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, <laughs> it's a it, weird is, time it is R. It is definitely R rated. Yes. Yeah. Um, how, how USA is doing something. I don't like know. This. I mean, it's gotta be strange. I watched it and the first time I heard, I heard fuck, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's USA. Yeah. It's, oh, it's USA. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, um, this kind of show can, can serve that purpose. With streaming, you know. Yeah. Um, I know for me, though, it was definitely Goosebumps. Yeah. It was definitely the original Poltergeist, Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And it was, um, shows like Erie, Indiana, uh, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, just yeah. watching them when I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a little... Predator, Terminator, so yeah, a little little Arnold influence thanks to my dad. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but, yeah, because that's uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that was the first um, episode of uh, of the podcast for the recently deceased. Uh, I'm Nate Roberts. Yeah, I am Rodney Godek. And thanks for listening. <laughs>